0: Nutrition is one thing that impacts every stage of our birds' lives. But do you get confused by all the different types of feed and the feed analyses? Well, in this episode of the Poultry Keepers podcast, Jeff Maddox will help you penetrate the curtain of confusion on poultry nutrition. Folks, Jeff Maddox has a real gift for being able to take a complicated subject and simplify it so that it's easy for you to understand and apply.
1: That's right, John. Jeff is hands down the best poultry nutritionist I have ever met. Not only that, he's also willing to work with small breeders like you and I, and that's a rare thing today. You know, Jeff and I originally recorded this presentation you're about to hear two years ago, but it's just as relevant today as it was back then. So let's get rolling. Now, here's Jeff.
2: I've been working poultry nutrition now for 26 years. I'm unlike other poultry nutritionists who work for the large integrators. I actually work for the small farmers. So whether it's people with three chickens in their backyard or up to 10 or 15,000 chickens, But they're pretty much raising them outside open air moving them around in fields more of a natural way of doing things and i do a lot with the organic folks who prefer to you know keep their birds in an organic fashion so coming at it from that standpoint you know we've always i've always felt that if i overfeed the birds or give them more than what the bare minimum requirements are that i can keep them healthier and they function better, and they reproduce better, and they're just all the, all the way around more fun to have. You know, everybody knows it. You're, when your birds are healthy, they're a lot of fun. When they're not, you just, you're pulling your hair out, trying to get it under pain. control. It's a pain. I'd rather pay for it ahead of time and try and keep them as healthy as possible than try and work from behind. You know, And, and I watch a lot of folks out there, and they go to whether it's tractor supply or wherever their garden center, their farm center is, and they're checking prices, right? They're not checking the contents of the bag. They're not checking the nutritional levels. They're not looking at the ingredients in there, right? They're looking for $16.95. You know, if they see one for $22 and one for 16 you know which one they're going to buy. Eventually that comes around and bites you. I encourage everybody to read the tags, look at the nutrient levels, understand what you're reading. If you need help with that, reach out to me, you know, take pictures of the tags, email them to me, right? I'll tell you which one is full of garbage and which one is going to be the healthier choice for your chickens and do this for a lot of folks. Okay. So it's not a problem. I'd rather see people have good, healthy chickens than you know, the worst thing I do is open up Facebook and I go to a couple of different poultry groups and people are talking about this sick chicken and that sick chicken. Uh, It's just no fun at all. You know it takes the fun out of raising chickens when, you know, when you go out to a group of sick birds. But, you know, you asked me to talk about nutrition a little bit, you know, going up through the different phases and, and kind of what to look for or what I'm, you know, what I'm formulating for, you know, first off, try and avoid byproducts, okay? You know, byproducts are put in feeds to, keep, to make them cheaper, but people don't understand they have no nutritional value. They're not adding anything to that feed for the bird. All they're doing is diluting it down to, to get the price point down. A lot of the folks that I'm working with currently are actually seeing that when they feed a higher nutritional value without byproduct, higher nutritional value feed without byproducts, they're feeding 20 to 25% less Day and getting better results. Okay. So, the first number one failure that I see, and this isn't just in the poultry world, it's everywhere, is some people make this assumption that all feeds are created equal. So, if it says 16% layer, it's the same as the 16% layer beside it, and the one beside that, and the one beside that. And they're not. So, learning how to read between the lines on the ingredients is really important. Look for as many whole grain. When I say whole grain, whole grains were used to process the feed. Whether you're using a pellet or a mash, look for as many whole grains. The when you see the word byproducts, that should be a red flag to you. That means that they're diluting it down. You know, and now over the years working with <clears throat> folks like you rip and other breeders, I've been working with breeders more intently over the last 10 years breeding birds and show fowl and you know the high-end exotic fowls their nutritional requirements can't be purchased over the counter at a local feed store nobody's making a feed for a a truly good feed for show fowl or breeding as i've dug into it and i've worked with breeders over the past years the nutritional values particularly in the vitamins and the amino acids need to be about 20 percent higher than a regular backyard chicken, okay? Just, you know, the, the basic laying in that somebody's going to have in their backyard, they're going to do fine with tractor supply or whoever's you know, 16, 17, 18% layer feed. But it's not going to put the plumage on and it's not going to give the the attributes, you know, those distinct attributes to a breeding type chicken. It's just not, they're not going to reach their full genetic potential. So when I say that, it's like, if you're picking a chick starter, instead of picking an 18% chick starter, you should be looking for probably a 22 to 24% game bird starter. Again, looking at those ingredients that are in there and looking at the levels. For instance, you should be looking for almost a 6,000 vitamin A units, international units of vitamin A per pound of feed. All right. Most chick starters out there are only running at 3,000. So it's about half of where it needs to be. The fowl that we're talking about today develops slower than the commercial birds, They're not made to be, you know, finished in eight weeks. They're not, you know, they're just a different breed. Their feed intake is actually a lot less than a lot of the commercial or domestic fowl out there. So we have to get more per bite than, you know, for our type of chicken or our type of fowl, we have to get more per bite than what most feeds are offering out there. So pretty much all the way through each one of the feeds, we wanna run at between five and 6,000 international units of vitamin A. I'd like to have 1,500, actually 2,000 international units of my vitamin D. These are things you can look at on the tag. These are required by law to be on a tag. If you see a chicken feed tag that doesn't have these on it, it's not legally labeled and you probably need to keep looking. So if they can't even follow the basic guidelines for labeling requirements, Chances are that there's something else missing. Vitamin E, it's going to be really hard to find, but I like to have 50 international units per pound. Calcium levels should, you know, for young and developing birds, whether starter, grower, or developer, you want about a 1.25 on your calcium level. So your bottom would be, your minimum would be one, your maximum would be one and a half. Phosphorus is a big corner that a lot of feed companies cut because phosphorus is not cheap and i like to see a phosphorus level running around 0.75 to point it's going to give you better bone formation you know working with breeders i hear about crooked keels and i hear about different things like that and a lot of that's coming to not enough or the wrong kind of minerals being used some of that can be avoided by hitting the right mineral contents you know then you roll into your amino acids some are going to guarantee they have to guarantee methionine and lysine. Lysine uh, on a on a show or breeder fowl should be at 1.1. And the methionine level should be 0.45 or, or higher. Actually, I like point, 0.5. Now, they, they're going to give you minimum guarantees, which means that's not their actual amount. They rounded them down to make sure that they hit their requirements. So chances are they're going to be about a half a, not a half a percentage point, but they're going to be about 10% higher than what's actually on the label, just to give them some protection. The state, each state is required to do a feed inspection. So twice a year, they go to a feed manufacturers, feed stores, any places that feeds are being sold, and they'll take samples. Sooner or later, you're going to see this little white sticker on the side of the bag you bought that says sampled by the state of Florida in your case, or the st- whatever state you're in, that's going to happen. And you know the states have a little bit of a quality control guarantee built in for testing to make sure that things are being done right. And that's that's a good thing. So starter feed, depending on how it's put together and hitting those amino acids I just talked about, for sure, one of 22, 23, 24. Now, the variation on that protein that I is how heavily plumaged is the bird? So if you have more of the exotics with a lot of plumage on them, right? Or you need better feather, look at the methionine level, because that's going to be your key driver for you know how that feather turns out. But also total protein is gonna make a difference. Now don't go crazy. When I say total protein, that doesn't mean I want you to run out and buy some 28% game bird starter because too much protein is just as bad as not enough. The kidneys of the bird has to process all excess protein through the kidneys. If you continue to burn them up by putting too much, exceeding their protein requirement for an extended period of time, You're actually causing kidney damage in the long term, which is going to shorten the lifespan of the bird. Rip, you look like you have
1: a question. No, just one thing I'd I'd like to point out here. I've got several friends who raise phoenix and and have these ultra long tails on the males. And I can see where this information would certainly benefit them because those feathers are in a state of constant growth. They never really mature. Uh Uh, I've I've got some friends and and they all have four or five foot tails on their males easily. But I I just, in my own mind, I wonder how much more impressive would those birds look if they were on this kind of a diet, you know, one with really good, super, super nutrition, just some food for thought.
2: Yeah, it is. And so unfortunately breeders and show, show folks out there, Again, they can't find that perfect feed. And even if they did, a lot of them would reject it based on price. But those phoenix, once they get past about 28, 30 weeks of age, most of their body is fairly filled out. Okay, So keeping them on this really high protein level feed is not necessarily the right answer. It's getting the feed with elevated levels of amino acids so it's developing a feed for the phoenix and it can be an 18 percent feed but i might have my methionine levels at 0.6 now having extra methionine and extra lysine and extra amino acids doesn't hurt the kidneys okay It, it at that point it's not going through the body as a protein and it's easier for the body to utilize as an amino acid so and even the large commercial, you know, the Purdues, the Pilgrim Prides, et cetera, the Tysons of the world, you know, they're reducing protein levels in their chicken feeds, and they're putting in amino acids to get the desired results. We just kind of have to catch up to this technology with show birds. Interesting. <clears throat> okay, you know they're knocking two points off their protein because soybeans cost money. So by manipulating the amino acids more precisely they're they're able to achieve the same results and save money in the end <clears throat> and the same could be said for you know breeding and show you know if we if we could find feed manufacturers to work with us but we're scattered out all over the place nobody wants to pay shipping you know i, I could go to a feed mill here in pennsylvania and say hey can you make this show feed for me yes sir make it for you but then until I ship it to Florida and I add four or $5 a bag for shipping, you know, you get it down there. And, and if I came to you and Rip said, Hey, I have the perfect show feed. If you didn't know me from Adam and I said, it's going to cost you $32 a bag. You're going to be like, what? I can go down the street and buy, you know, $20 feed. Right. I've heard that a lot too. Yeah. Right. And I hear it all the time. Right. It's like, you know, it, there can't be that much difference between your feed and what I can buy down the street for $10 a bag less. Well, yeah, there actually can. And there's different levels of feed that you have to be considerate of, right? So there's some birds in your flock that may never go for show. They may never go to the fairgrounds. They may never go to a poultry show. You're keeping them back for breed stock because they're good. You like them. You know, they make a difference. And then, you know, you've got that 20% are going to go with you to, to show 20, 25%. Do they necessarily need to have the exact same feed? No, they probably don't. But then when I talk to a breeder and say, well, you can feed this group, this, and this group, that, and they're like, I ain't going through all that. That's too much fuss and trouble and I'm not going to do it. And, you know, and and I'm going to feed them all one feed. And of course they feed the cheaper feed because, you know, and everybody keeps way too many birds, right? They, they, they like this hen and they like, yeah. they like this cock and, you know, they have a hard time calling and they have a hard time, you know, selling off birds. They get attached to them, whether it's emotional or financial or whatever. And they just can't, you know, they can't trim down the, the herd, so to speak. But, you know, <coughs> me. for pretty much all, I work with all livestock. And kind of a basic rule of thumb is to call out 10 to 20% annually at your most expensive time of year to feed them, right? You need to go through, look hard, make the, make the hard judgment calls and he, whether you sell them or, or whatever you do, but calling, the, calling them back down to a set number is very beneficial. And how you get people to do that is beyond me. i I hopefully you've got some words of wisdom on how to do that because i been... I
1: you know I really don't because there seems to be two camps and and one group wants to call their birds too soon, and the other camp doesn't really want to call anything. It seems like I you know i I'll, I'll okay. get folks contacting me and, like, I've got this four week old chick. Which one should I keep? how do i know that they're yeah. not mature Yep,
2: yeah, you can't oh. tell it four weeks from sitting around listening to circles you know you can actually do a you can probably do an initial call looking for defects at, at around eight weeks it's pretty hard to do it much before eight weeks mm-hmm. then you have a second selection somewhere between 12 and 16 weeks Then pretty much after that you're going to ride it out for close to a year to see how the bird fully develops
1: right yes but and and Some of those slow to mature breeds like Jersey Giants, you may be looking at two years before what you see is what you've actually got. Right.
2: But if you can knock that down by 50%, you know, by the six month period, you -hmm. you should be able to see a lot of the defects, you know, by six months of age, not all, you know, there's stuff that's going to develop late, just like you said, and I understand that, but you know, most people are carrying way too many birds.
1: Um, I, I agree I with you. I wish I could get people to understand what I call the rule of tens. For every ten chicks you hatch, you're gonna get one that's really decent enough to keep and move your program forward. Or for yep. every one hundred, you're gonna get ten. Yep. But and and some folks just can't well, a friend of mine says if we if we all ate our we'd be in a lot better shape. Well, there's other people out there
2: with backyard chickens that would love to have your, you you can still sell them to people in the neighborhood that aren't going to show and compete against you, right? Just put an ad on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. It's not that hard. You know, they're out there. And if you get your hatching around to the right time of year, you know, first of April, everybody's looking for chicks for their backyard. So. Mm If you can get your timing right to get your hatches off and do that initial call, you know, by the 1st of April, you will have no problem selling them whatsoever. I just see people trying to keep way too many chickens and then they complain about their feed bill. And I'm like, well, why do you have so many chickens? You know, I'm working with a, a lovely lady down in Texas right now. She had over 300 chickens in her yard. She wasn't focused on any one particular breed. She was just kind of all over the place because she loved chickens, and I'm like, "All right, so you need to make this decision: Are you going to be a breeder, or are you going to just have chickens? Because you can't do both. Okay, right. you, you need to make the hard, conscious decision." Of, and I said, "I'm I'm fine with either one. You, you 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 need to decide what works for you, but you can't keep a bunch of yard birds around for entertainment and try and be a serious breeder at the same time." there's too many risk involved, there's too many cost involved, and you you just got to get, you just got to narrow it down and focus on something. So, and she is, and yeah, it was a, it was a rough night when she called a third of her birds and, you know, sent them all off to be sold. But yeah, she sees the light at the end of the tunnel and it'll get better.
1: But Jeff, if you would talk a little bit about the various stages our birds go through, from chicks to growers to yep. to adults. And, and what should our folks be looking for, nutritionally speaking, for, and we'll just start with day-old chicks. Yeah, day-old
2: chicks, I started on that road, 22%, 23% protein. Make sure that those amino acids are where I talked about earlier on lysine, 0.5 on methionine try and look for the higher vitamin levels, right? The, the most you're going to find on the shelf is about 4,000 international units per pound. It's okay. That's a good starting point. You know, we can look at adding supplements to that if we need to. That Those numbers stay the same all the way through the rearing stage. So 4,000 at starter, 4,000 at grower, 4,000 at developer. And whether you're going to layer Or whether you're going to a holding feed, you know, it depends on your time of year. You don't want to feed a layer feed with high calcium year-round. If your bird isn't producing an egg, feeding that extra calcium is not benefiting anybody. It's actually working against you. So working with breeders like you, Rip, what I do is, okay, so I ask you what breed do you have and what is what is that maturing date? So if you say, okay, it's 28 weeks till till my bird gets to basically sexual maturity or that point, you know, they're not fully developed, but they're they're pretty much at what we would call mature. I divide that 28 weeks by four to tell me how long they need to be on starter, right? So for a 28 week bird maturing seven weeks on starter, seven weeks on grower, seven weeks on a developer, <clears throat> and then, you know, then they're moving on you know, to, to whatever's next. So I break that up into, you know, three, I'm sorry, three equal segments. So you're going to be nine weeks on each. That way I know that I'm hitting that nutritional need for that bird, you know, at each one of those stages of developing. So you start now with 22, 23 protein, then you're going to drop to on a show. I would want to be no less than 18 to 20 on a grower feed. Developer feed is going to be 16 to 18% protein without the high calcium. Okay. And that's again, focus on better amino acid levels. That's where your feathers coming from. That's where your body development's coming from. Hopefully, you know, if your feeds are being made somewhat local to you, they're being balanced for the right carbohydrates based on your temperature and your climate. That would be really nice. But your starter feed should be, well, it's not on the tag. So how do I tell somebody you need 1,300 kilocalories per pound? Right? I, I don't know how to explain the energy part of it. because if mm-hmm. A lot of feeds have a bunch of added fats added to them. They have higher energies. And all that's going to do is start the formation of fat deposits Okay, at a very young age. And I don't really want a fat. I don't want fat starting to even begin to be deposited until the bird is about two-thirds through that development phase. You don't want any early age fat. So, you know, you want a good exercise area so they can run some of that off. And you in Florida, I would want a lower energy. You know, I would yeah. trim that energy because you know, chicken, people don't understand a chicken actually eats for its energy needs every day so based on the temperature the living environment and everything else it's going to eat the number of calories it needs to sustain itself on a given day so on hotter days they eat less on colder days they eat more and that's just the nature of a chicken a lot of creatures are actually that way all right so we got the starter we got the grower we got the developer and then you got to decide if you're so for a show fowl, pretty much going to be 17 plus 18 percent is pretty much going to be the maintenance level protein again i want at least a one percent lysine 1.2 is better i want at least a 0.5 0.47 0.5 on methionine to keep the plumage where it needs to be now each one of these diets i've found that if i keep my fiber level at around 5%, give or take one, and my fat level at 5%, you know, 4 to 5%. That seems to be the best health number for keeping the birds good and healthy, looking good, not getting fat. <clears throat> so fat and fiber should pretty much always be equal. So if, you're, if your fiber goes up, you know, your fat can go up as well, but 5%, Fat, 5% fiber, really good numbers, really good baseline numbers. Up here in the north, we, you know, in the wintertime, I could go to six or six and a half percent fat to help compensate for cold mm-hmm. weather. Mm-hmm. But even in the south, you know, where you are, I wouldn't want to go below five. So people don't understand cholesterol, liver function in a chicken has a lot of similarities to you and I. So we need a certain amount of fat in our diet right just f- for our liver to function correctly cholesterol to be deposited you know it goes into the liver gets broke apart goes out and does a whole lot of functions in the body and 5% seems to be the right number on for poultry that is i have some poultry diets as high as 10% now that's getting really high i don't recommend that to anybody but on specialty cases or certain purposes you can go as high But if you keep it between four and six, five being the target number, it's really good. And we're actually starting to learn more here in the U.S. about dietary fiber being important to a chicken. We've overlooked it for years. I mean, if I go walk down the aisle at the feed store, you're going to see a bunch of three, three and a half, three, you know, fibers. And a lot of that fiber is actually coming from very soft fibers like wheat middlings that that don't have any structural density to them. Whereas feeding something like an alfalfa meal, alfalfa hay, oats, barley, those all have a a higher density fiber and it stays intact going through the gut wall and the intestinal tract and actually is scouring and cleaning that on a continuous basis. So I get more nutrient absorption through that intestinal wall than I do on a low fiber diet.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. What about things, and I know people are prone to feed things like scratch feeds or sunflower seeds. <laughs> uh, I've heard this before, but... <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, I, uh, scratch grain really has no has no nutritional value to it other than carbohydrates. So, scratch grains is going to lead to a fatter chicken. The scratch grain is like me having ice cream after dinner every night. A little bit, not a problem, okay? If I sit there and I eat the whole thing, or that's all I eat, that's going to become a big problem, you know. And the scratch grains and the sunflower seeds are pretty much in the same same vein as me eating ice cream, you know. It's a feel good thing for the owner, right? My chickens love me when I show up with scratch grains. Well, you show up at my house with five gallons of ice cream, I'm going to love you too, and it's <laughs> you know, I mean, but it doesn't mean it's a good thing, right? Figure out a different treat for your chickens besides. You know, feeding them ice cream and and stuff that doesn't really add to their nutritional health. Sunflower seeds.
1: huh? I was just going to say one thing that I found a long time ago. I can take some of my regular feed that I'm feeding them and moisten it. You know, I don't want it soupy wet or anything like that, but just enough to where it can stick together and roll it into little balls and just toss some of those balls and moisten the feed out there. And they go nuts for it. Yep.
2: Just as like it was scratch grain. I mean, they, yeah. they like moistened feet. So you want to make a treat? There you go. That's a perfect idea. Just like a real dry cookie dough kind of consistency, yeah. just yeah. enough to make a ball
1: out of it. Mm-hmm. Just to get and it hold together. Yeah,
2: you're delivering them the same thing. You're just delivering it in a different just form. And they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they think it's special. And I mean, if you want to trick them a little bit, you can put a teaspoon of molasses per quart of water before you do the moistening mm-hmm. and it'll change the aroma of it a little bit and they'll get even a little bit more crazy about it. But Good to know. you know what? A teaspoon in a quart of water is going to do almost 15 pounds of feed or more. Right. So you're, you're not throwing off that nutrition hardly at all. Right. Yeah. I got some other guys that are doing that and then freeze it and put it out there on the really hot, miserable days. Yeah. Yeah. And just let them peck at some frozen food. And
1: again, they love it. So, Good deal. uh, Sunflower seeds. Go ahead. What about over-the-counter feed supplements? What are your thoughts on those? I know there's a lot of them out there. And and I've never really found but one that I thought was worth investing in. A
2: lot of that stuff is salt-based. If you read really close, like, you know the water the water soluble vitamin mm-hmm. electrolytes mm-hmm. and a lot of that stuff it has a lot of salt in it and that's where the electrolyte parts come and kind of kicking in there are potassium chloride magnesium chloride sodium chloride you know you got to be careful chickens have a really low, low threshold for salt and it it just not again and we're going to start doing if we do them all the time every day we're going to start you know causing some kidney damage, or we're going to put extra stress on the kidneys. Let's put it that way. Did we do damage or not? Hard to tell. You know what? If people want to make their own chicken Gatorade, the recipe is really easy. Okay, It's two ounces of apple cider vinegar, one tablespoon of molasses, put a teaspoon of salt in that. This is per gallon. Mix it up really well. If you think it needs color, put a little bit of food coloring in it. But otherwise, that mixture of vinegar, molasses, and a little bit of salt is going to do way more than a bag of electrolyte that you're buying at the store. Okay. And when you compare the cost of what I just described, you know, what do you got? 25 cents worth of ingredients to, mm-hmm. to make a gallon of, of, you know, chicken Gatorade. And the chickens are going to thrive on it, especially when it's really hot. You know, when, like right now, this is a perfect time of year to be making a little chicken gator egg, serve it, you know, two, three times a week, something like that. And they're going to be, but I, you know, I purposely stay out of the farm stores because, and I don't walk down that chicken aisle to look at those supplements that you're referring to, Rip. I just don't do it. because. I either get all riled up about the garbage they're serving people or I say something and then I, I you know, I, you know, I piss off one of my friends or something like that because they like it. And I, and I explain to them why it, it yeah, they're getting ripped off, but you know, so, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything. And if I stay out of those aisles, I don't have to worry about saying something bad.
1: <laughs> what about feed supplements? And, and I'm going to, preface this by saying that jeff has a feed supplement on the market that is the only one i've ever felt like was a worth the money or b i wanted my birds to eat but what are your thoughts on that
2: so what i did is i took i I averaged out like a bunch of ready to let you know layer feeds or commercially available feeds knowing what the difference is between that and what a breeder or showbird needed so I put it in and I started adding the vitamin A, the vitamin D, the vitamin E, the lysine, the methionine, you know, and a different kind of protein. And that's how that supplement came about. You know, the breeder supplement, that's that's how it originated. And, you know, at one teaspoon per bird, per, now one teaspoon per adult bird per day, it works out to about three cents per chicken per day it's 2.6 grams i took it home and weighed it on a gram scale so it it ends up being about 2.6 2.7 grams per bird per day you know it's a pain to deal with but it it, it's making up the difference between everyday chicken nutrition and breeder and show file nutrition that it's closing that gap so you can continue to feed you know what you can find locally and this allows us to supplement it you know and try and keep the cost down that's that's how that all got started that's really what i sat down one day and said man these folks need help and that's what i put together you know of course kenny and frank they tried it out and a few other people and everybody liked it so we just rolled it out and started talking to people about it
1: but and that's available in both a powdered form and a pellet form
2: We offer it in both powder and pellet. It comes in 10-pound and 40-pound bags. When they call in or they contact us, we, we have a shipping price regardless of where you're at. And in all 50 states, we can ship it.
0: Thanks, Jeff, for sharing your knowledge. Jeff will be sharing more information with us in future episodes of the Poultry Keepers podcast. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a thing. If you're interested in the poultry show and breeder supplement powder, a 10-pound bag is $49 and can be ordered directly from the Fertrell company, and that does include shipping. If you want to learn more about poultry nutrition, you need to get yourself a copy of Jeff's latest book, Niche Poultry Feeding and Management. It features an expanded information on feeding heritage and show poultry, and I guarantee it's a book you'll refer to often, and that can also be ordered from Fertrell. You're going to find links to the products
1: we just talked about, as well as email addresses for our show and Jeff's email if you want to shoot him a question about poultry nutrition. That's one thing I love about Jeff. He's always there to help us. John, I think this about covers it. But before we go, I want to thank the listeners for joining us for another episode on the Poultry Keepers podcast. Folks, until next time, keep learning and enjoying your birds and make sure to keep them scratching and pecking. So long.